Okay, so what did you eat for breakfast? I never eat breakfast uh, until I uh, am talking to someone like you. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 150. This episode is sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. You may remember in episode 90, I chatted to Craig Dodge about sync licensing and how he makes a living through writing music for TV, video games, and film. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at taris-studios.com or click the link on musiconyourownterms.com. Joining me for this episode is Mackenzie Christian, a Hamilton, Ontario-based musician that I met through Indie Week earlier this year and contributed some background vocals to his upcoming album. We chat about This Mad Desire, Mac's musical project, his recording experience using free studio time through Hamilton Public Library, and singing in front of the children's section in a glass room. Mac also shares a troubling story about being brutally assaulted, his love of collaboration with other musicians, and how he strives to help others in need. If you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support, I'd be really grateful if you would consider signing up for the mailing list to stay in the loop with everything going on with the show. Just head over to musiconyourownterms.com and click the link. While you're there, you can also visit the store and grab some merch, or just buy me a coffee and help out with the running costs of the show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode. Today I'm hanging out with Mackenzie Christian, who is also known as This Mad Desire. So how are you and welcome. Excellent. It's, it's not me that's known as that. It's just uh, my rock and roll brand. But uh, I'm known as Mac. But the good news is um, that's hilarious. If you don't mind explaining to everyone uh, who you are as well, just for one second. Obviously, you... Uh, did me a huge favor by uh, singing on one of my tracks and you did something the most hilarious thing I've ever heard about. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So obviously if you're a regular listener, you, you know who I am, but yeah, I did meet Mackenzie at Indie Week 
and he put out that he wanted to have some people collaborate on a couple of songs. And yeah, what I did was I sang a kind of Americanized version of the lyrics, and then I just went and did my... It's not really... You, you, you did you did say uh, Cockney, but it's not really Cockney because I've never lived in London, but just a co- kind of like a colloquial British accent just to force the force the way I sound. Not really how I talk per se, just like a, yeah, I, not not really Cockney, but somewhere in between, I guess. <laughs> but the, the funny thing was, uh, yeah, 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 you said, uh, and you told me it was Cockney, but it, it obviously was not, but uh, th- that's no problem. But the funny thing was, I took both voices that you uh, gave me, and it, it worked out perfect. It worked awesome. out perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you want to talk about? Well, uh, let's start by introducing who, who, what, what this mad desire is, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Sure, that sounds perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, uh, I live in Hamilton, Ontario, which is near Toronto. If people don't know where Toronto is, it's uh, the center of the universe. <laughs> and a lot of people that I work with are from New York or Los Angeles or from places like Texas or San Francisco or Philadelphia or everywhere. And the great news about the last year and a half in the way that I've been working is through the pandemic, collaborating a lot. Mm-hmm with people who are in every town, in every community, and all that kind of stuff, right? And it's been a weird time for a lot of people. But at the same time, you know, I put out a record, I put out uh, three books, and grateful to keep working up, you know, I've got a new record coming out, mm-hmm. which which you sang on, of course. And uh, at the same time, you know, there's uh, there's so much interesting stuff happening all around right absolutely i mean where did it start for you though what as far as this mad desire and where, where did you get the music bug to begin with well you know it was a pretty um troublesome thing for me i guess when i was a child i have uh two hands like you do right like you got two hands mm-hmm. but but my mother saw and my dad saw and everyone saw that my hands do the same thing all at the same time mm-hmm and my uh, parents decided when I was like a really, really young child that I should see a you know, physical therapist because they thought there was something wrong with me, right? And there was something wrong with me. Like my brain didn't work. I have a mirroring issue and my hands don't work. Mm. So if you ever, if you play the piano and you understand there's a left hand and right hand, well, my mother, you know, was told by the doctor in Calgary, Alberta, that, uh, well, you know, he might never play the piano. Okay. So the next the next day, she put me in piano lessons, and so that was the start of my uh, musical journey. Really, is uh, just getting into uh, playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I got to grade eight piano, which is in in Royal Conservatory in Canada, which is a huge achievement for someone that has no no correct understanding of how their hands work. <laughs> you know. Okay. But it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty tough to get to grade eight. Mm-hmm. Grade ten is the top. Grade ten is the top. Right. Grade eight is not so bad. But anyway, I was sixteen when I we had to give it up because I was you know busy making songs and just had to do other stuff. But but you know I I I'm lucky because if I didn't get that push into being a piano player, I would be nowhere. Mm. The piano is my art. So does that mean that your 
you're basically working harder to, to force your hands to do something different. Yeah, that's exactly like it, what that it, means. Yeah. Basically, mm -hmm. the piano lessons have programmed your your neurons to, or you've mm -hmm. basically built the new neurons by piano lessons to in kind of force them to, to work in independently. Yeah, it's mind over matter for sure. And then, and then eventually I learned how to play the guitar. And the guitar is the main instrument they play on stage and stuff like that. But the guitar is an even easier instrument to play for me because your hands only do one thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like imagine, like I can hold a, well, I mean, you know, I'm not a finger picker. I try and do that, but I hold a guitar pick in one hand and I can pick anything I want with that hand doing like this kind of motion. Mm -hmm. But the other hand, I can do anything I want, right? Right. And you're a guitar player. You understand what I'm telling you. Absolutely. So it's a little bit easier on the guitar, a little bit. You know, yeah, I can play the piano. But I have to use like a little bit more simple fingerings sometimes compared to what I tell my musicians to do. Okay. Just for my benefit, do you have trouble like, uh, or growing up, did you have trouble like learning to tie your shoes, for instance, or stuff that required a lot more dexterity? Nah. I don't know. Knife well, and fork or... Was there, like, was there anything that you... Oh, typing one. Did the piano less, lessons help you learn to, like, type? and? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, number one, the piano lessons obviously uh, were beneficial. I can type faster than anyone else can because I'm used to the concept of how that works. Mm. And, 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 it, and it was, yeah, the greatest therapy just to have piano lessons. Awesome. But, but I don't want people to think that piano is a total therapy. Piano is amazing just in and of itself. It's not because, oh, sure. you know, of me. Right. So where did This Mad Desire come from? Well, you know, I wrote this song called This Mad Desire in 2006 or 2007-ish. And I was looking for a new name for my project. And I wanted something that was three words. Eventually, you know, I, I picked on that one. But it was also like, there's like a lot of bands, like there's Black Sabbath, there's Judas Priest, there were two words, Led Zeppelin, two words, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually it came to be like prepositional phrases, like in this moment, right? People like, stuff like that. And I thought this mad desire fit in within this moment in a great way. And this mad desire just felt like, um, it's a great expression of, First of all, it feels good. And also, uh, as I, I've seen, you know, I've been in like many clubs and sometimes the owners are like, there's mad desire. <laughs> and then they start to feel like, as I look at their wives, <laughs> they, they start to think, oh my Lord, you know, and that's What's going on. Right. And they start to think to themselves, well, that's very interesting. Right. And I thought that is a nice uh, way of thinking about things, isn't it? So that was pretty much it. Yeah. Awesome. So, as I said, we met at Indie Week, so what I wanted to do is ask something that I should probably, in, you know, do in the podcast more often, is a lot of musicians don't like to talk about what they sound like. They want, oh, I'm I'm something you've never heard of, but that doesn't help anyone because you've got to fill out your, you know, when you're putting up music, you've got to fill out that information to say, I sound like X. So, what what do you sound like? One of my one of my favorite reviews came back to me, and and they said this is from someone in in England, mm -hmm. and they said that that I sound like um, David Bowie on Neil no no wait a minute 
let me go backwards. It's like Neil Young on David Bowie drugs. <laughs> and then they had, you know, a question about, you know, another song. They were like, it's kind of a little bit like the Pixies mm-hmm. uh, meets, uh, you know, they had like all kinds of other references. But the funniest thing, like I, I put out a song called Operator Standing By in 2017. And the funniest day for me ever was I put out that song. And the same day, there was one guy who came up to me and said, Oh, Mac, I heard this song. I love it so, so much. I want to say it reminds me of Marilyn Manson. I was like, all right. Okay. I was like, all right. Okay, no worries. And then 20 seconds later, or 20 minutes later, pretty much, this other woman, she came forward and she said, Mac, I love this song so, so much. It reminds me, I want to say Super Tramp. Okay. Same song. I can see that more than Marilyn Manson, for sure. Yeah, well, I thought, you know, if I am having that kind of, uh, you know, effect on people, that they're thinking these kinds of diverse thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong I mean, with that. <laughs> nope, not at all. I mean, I I would say, I would propose that you might uh, have listened to or be be a fan of The Cure. I'm certainly not. No? You don't like The Cure? I've never even listened to any records by The Cure, but, wow. I, but I can tell you one story about The Cure. I was in Toronto one time, and uh, just after, you, you heard about that song, Friday, you know, um, uh, I'm in yeah. love and everything like that. So mm-hmm. just imagine, I was uh, working for a radio station, and I had to go to Toronto for God knows no reason. You heard about the Fiery Furnaces? No. And there's a band called the Fiery Furnaces, and I had to go see them in Toronto. And I went to, I had to go to a, a, a like a pre-party and I walked into that pre-party. I didn't know anyone, but my music director from the radio station I was working at took me in there and it turned out that uh, her friend had just been recording a music video for The Cure. Mm-hmm. And then this band called Sloan showed up. Okay. They were a huge band in Canada at the time. And then we all went to see the Fiery Furnaces. But it was so crazy because, yeah, I'd never listened to The Cure. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just get that. Not so much aesthetic, but... And, and you know what? I have nothing against the cure at all. Right. Just not something you've you're, you've basically ingested. No, no, I never listened to them. No. Interesting. Other than that one song, which I know. Like, I know, like, whatever their hit songs Everyone are. knows yeah, that yeah, song, yeah. one song. Yeah. Yeah. I've never listened to any of their records at all. But maybe I'll check them out. I'll check them out, for sure. I prefer bands like The Cult, to be honest. I love The Cult. Absolutely. Yeah, great band. So you, you mentioned just before we got on, as of today, I just released um, my episode with Kate Shutt. So, yeah. Um, and you mentioned you've worked with her. So that that's a nice little aside. I didn't work with her, but I, I definitely know her because uh, we used to work with the same uh, record producer in uh, oh, okay. Canada. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We didn't work together at all. No, no. I, I don't want you to get misconception at all. But yeah, she's definitely, uh, we're definitely from the same community in Guelph, Ontario, which is, uh, mm-hmm. she said she was in Canada. That's where it was. We were lucky to work with the same record producer, Andrew McPherson. You know, it's funny. You seem to always find the people that I know. Like you met my friend Cass. Yep. And you told me how much you met Kate. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it seems that the more I do these interviews, the more people I meet, the smaller the community gets. And, you know, it's it's it's... I really, what I really want to do is do 
the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, do that for the podcast. And yeah, see yeah. If mm-hmm. I can keep it within the six degrees, yeah. you know, canceling myself out, obviously, I, that, that wouldn't... I actually wouldn't be surprised be if you could. If you could, I'm sure you'd be surprised if you are probably in there. The people that you've uh, spoken to are pretty good. Yeah, the, the only thing I wanted to talk to you about, just to be clear, is the one thing I care about more than anything is collaboration. Mm-hmm. Not just do we collaborate, but uh, obviously that's the number one way that I work. And sometimes when you don't think about it, you can collaborate more because sometimes people are feeling negative about themselves, right? Like just imagine like you have been in uh, situations that are not the best, Mm -hmm. but you want to reach out. In the musical world, you can these days. There's almost nowhere that you can't look right now that you can't collaborate. That's the great news about life these days and about how the internet works and how about everything works in technology, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just so much easier. I was just talking to a woman yesterday. She moved from Prince Edward Island, which is the smallest province in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's like the size of, I think it's like the size of Long Island or something. Like it's very small, very small. And the number of people that live there is like, I can count them in my hand almost. Right. And she's now living in Toronto and she is so excited that she's, you know, working on a song with you and I, right? And that's only because of technology. So depression is one thing, but technology is another. And it's so cool. Like I opened up that thing about collaborating with everyone just because I felt like it was a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were just at home feeling really, really, you know, lost. Not lost, but just alone. Just alone, right? And it gave them a feeling of something to do mm. and a real and a real feeling like if you don't, you know, get this done by Friday or, you know, like, like I did, you know, I imposed arbitrary deadlines, you know, and they would say to me, oh, OK, OK, now I got to I got to I got to work, you know, I gotta get something done, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it gave them a sense of purpose. Right. And that was something that really meant a lot to me just to. Well, it, it didn't mean a lot to me at all. Like I wanted them to get the songs done because I really cared more about the music. But at the same time, I wanted everyone to feel like there was a place you could call mm-hmm. when you were feeling lonely or feeling, you know, upset or whatever. And, and, I, and, I, and, and so many people called me that could not contribute. And they had so many weird stories. You know, like they were working with veterans, you know, who were uh, in their town. And it was like so tough because they deal with those veterans who were, you know, like lost their legs and, you know, were upset. Who cares? Like with all kinds of weird things. Right. Or or they were just sad and couldn't do it because they were, you know, just just like long-winded explanations of their own sadness. And it, and it really told me, you know, people are alone. And, and that's, that's part of 
what I'm trying to do is create connection all the time because people are alone all the time. Like, I don't care where you are. Like, you're in Texas. I'm in Toronto-ish. People are in New York. People are in Los Angeles. People are in uh, Milwaukee. People can be wherever they are. But they are with themselves alone. And, and uh, so part of the concept was just to make it so that they could, you know, they're in San Francisco, Philadelphia, whatever the case is. You know. Actually, one of the funnier things in... Um, Philadelphia in particular. Yeah. Uh, I, had, I had two singers from Philadelphia, which is pretty great. Obviously, Philadelphia is a great music scene. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like New York, Seattle, Los Angeles, Los Angeles. I don't know if you say Los Angeles, Los Angeles, but I say Los Angeles. Just for funny. But uh, Philadelphia, obviously, is a great music scene. And it was nice to have two different people in the jazz community you know, jump in and do it. And that's pretty cool. That's, that's great. Yeah. Thank I mean, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think definitely music connects you, but that, that way, I think what you're doing is, is uh, really great in that, that you're kind of designing the project around creating community rather than just it just happening, you know, matter of factly. It's, it, well, it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Like I got, that wasn't a plan. That wasn't a plan, right? Yeah. It wasn't a plan to do that. Like, like you're, 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 you're kind of making it sound like uh, I had a, an objective in the first place, which I did not, mm. it, it just sort of happened. Right. And that's, okay. that's even like the more funny thing about it. Cause it came about naturally. Okay. You know, it was just, just, just because, uh, you know, I kept meeting people and they kept saying, you know, why don't we do it? Why don't we do that? And that was, you know, the more the way it went. How do you set like going forward? Like that, that's how you've seen it now, but like, let, let's say the next album, would that be the plan? And where would you start the collaboration? Is Do you have a bare-bones structure and then send it off to people? Do you have the fully formed song and then you're looking for some kind of addition to the sound? Okay, yeah. So that, that, that's a fair enough question, yeah. So you, you, you've obviously seen, uh, for example, I'm working on a few Christmas songs right now. And, and, and regardless of whenever this comes out, I'll still put a Christmas record. Probably next year I might release a few singles, maybe this year or next year. It doesn't really matter. But the point is I'm making some Christmas songs. And it's sort of the same way as I've been working in general, as I've learned. I do a lot of stuff at the Hamilton Public Library. So first of all, I get everything organized at the Hamilton Public Library. Like I record everything there. A lot of libraries don't have a sound studio. Mm. But the Hamilton Public Library does. And it's so cool because you can go in there for free and I do everything for free. And then I do everything I can just to get everything organized, just, you know, get the basic stuff down and get the, you know, guitars done and the uh, piano and everything like that. And then I typically send everything off to Los Angeles uh, to my friend Dan Konopka from this band called OK Go. Mm -hmm. I've heard of them. And, and he typically does the drums and sometimes mixes. Depends on what's going on. Sometimes he just sends the drums back and then I keep getting vocals back in, you know, from other people or whatever it's going to be. And maybe we go back and forth. And then other people like might send me lead guitarists, stuff from Lord knows where, you know. But it's interesting just to, you know, work online like that. But 
I definitely work with the Hamilton Public Library a lot, and I want to make sure everyone loves libraries. Mm. And if you don't understand how hard I love libraries, I very much love the Hamilton Public Library for having this system that allows me to do this for free all the time. Yeah, that that's a killer uh, setup because I'm not sure you'd see that in in the states. I mean, there might be some some there there places there is where someone in Chicago. I think they have one library that has a similar oh. setup, but not quite as good. Okay, it's not nothing is good. Nothing is as good. So we have to be honest. Do you know where it's funded from? Is it? Oh, it's it's from our city. It's totally from our city, and everybody loves it. Like like, there's no question. Like we have a whole makerspace. Like you can have. Mm. Um, you can you can make three uh, D uh, stuff like three D uh, printing is there. They've got you can print like just just imagine you want to print like a uh, poster like like thirty six inches across and mm -hmm. and down. Well, that will cost you like three dollars, you know, compared to going to a print shop and paying paying seventy two dollars or whatever it is you might right. pay. Right? Like they just charge you to print and ink. It is so mm -hmm. cool and. The people are very nice, and I don't want anyone to know about this because it's, uh, you know, like, <laughs> you because... lose your, uh, <laughs> exactly. lose your plate. But the funniest thing, though, is uh, sometimes, okay, so imagine, like, this is not just one, one place. This is, like, distributed across the city. It's like, there are multiple mm. locations. So most of the time, what I've been singing has been in one location, which is the closest to my house. And in that location, the actual maker space, I'm calling the maker space at this point, it's not a sound city the way the downtown one is. Like it's not like soundproofed and everything like that. Mm. It is it is like a glass studio. Like a like a it's it, it's like um um like a fishbowl. It's a fishbowl, but but it's also a classroom setting. Mm. But it's also in the children's area. Okay. So I'll be singing uh, and staring at the children's area where the kids actually are with their mothers or their dads or whatever. And I'll be singing and I've got my headphones on like I have right now. And you cannot imagine the noises that I'm making. <laughs> you know, because I'm singing the background vocals or whatever it's going to be, right? Like, not, you know, and like, everyone's like what the you know like the moms are in particular going what the hell is going on right and they turn around mm. and they turn around and their kids are running towards the glass and like grabbing at the glass to see what i'm doing because it's you know it's like being in a public art exhibition right and those kids are you know snapping at the window and the mothers in particular yanking those kids like with their hands and like trying to scold them. And then the other side is like, if it's a father who's got the same kid, they don't do anything. They just look at me and they go with like thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. This is the, the dynamic, right? Right. But I mean, hopefully you inspire a bunch of kids to, to try it out and, you know, keep that place going. Oh that yeah. It's a really cool place. One time it's outside and like, that one little child, he's like probably four years old or three years old. He's like, mom, that was a singing guy. And it's so excited. Right. And that's exactly what you want. Yeah. 
no, that's that's perfect because then you, then you just continue it on, you know, for the next aspiring musicians. That's that's killer. Is there anything else you want to touch on on your music before we move on to the non quickfire round? I like to. Well, the only thing is, um, you know, I was uh, outside at the library a couple of days ago, and I ran into my friend Andrew McPhail, and he's the guy who made my crazy glasses, mm. which uh, look like this. Um, these googly eye ones. Can you see anything through those? No, you, of course you can't. Of course you can't. Of <laughs> course you can't. But uh, I ran into him and he asked me, the same thing most people ask me is like, how are you feeling after being assaulted? About two years ago when I started this uh, record called American Dream, which is the uh, record that is actually out. Uh, you know, I, I met my friend Dan Kanapka from Ogego. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started working on a song called Antifa and the Supremacists. And then after he finished the drums, like maybe about a day later, something like that, two days later, I was assaulted by a meth addict on the street. And I was brutalized and uh, in the hospital. And uh, you can't tell right now, but I looked like a Klingon. And my forehead looks very nice now. But... Uh, it was a really, really uh, severe beating, and mm. it took you know almost uh, almost a year and a half to get uh, you know uh, my head to you know look right mm -hmm. and correcting it. Uh, and, and I'm always gonna have scars, but uh, but it was a really brutal uh, beating. And he thought that I'd been beaten maybe by the Russian mafia. Yeah, when I talked to uh, a lot of people, and I was surprised because uh, I've never been beaten by the any kind of mafia. But if any kind of mafia wants to uh, talk to me about you know how this all works, I'm always grateful. Mm. The good news, the good news is, the good news is, you know, um, they caught every, they caught the person, and uh, I just wouldn't recommend anyone being beaten or assaulted or For mugged. Sure. You know, and, and and a lot of people are, of course, in, you know, really luck, right? Mm. A lot of big cities, that's how it works, right? For sure. Yeah, sorry, I mean, sorry to hear that, first of all, and I'm glad you're doing better. And, 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 and anyone who's ever, ever, you know, been assaulted or, you know, mugged or anything like that, I'm always happy to talk to them. And, you know, because it, it, it is a very troubling experience. Absolutely. You know, my, my first normal question is what significant negative experience have you experienced but but the the i hope that answers that you kind of you kind of preemptively <laughs> answered that but the second part to the question is what did you learn from the experience if anything uh just uh, just i wouldn't recommend it but but also if anyone ever wants to talk about you know if they ever had anything like that like if they were ever beaten by anyone or uh Mm. Um, offend even if if they're offended, it doesn't really matter like, how how hard they're you know hurt. Um, uh, you know, I'm always happy to talk to anyone, and uh, you know, like 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 people are raped, people are beaten, people are you know, they've got uh, you know uh, you know loved ones who are maybe they die or get sick. It doesn't really matter. Mm. Like it's, like whatever hurts you. You know, I'm always happy to help and just like talk you through it. Um, so uh, operators are standing by all the time. There is no question. You're always so that, welcome to contact me. 
that's what that song is about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it was a weird song because uh, um, it was kind of like my reintroduction to the world uh, of music. Mm. But yeah, I, just, I was kind of reading, you know, um, a lot of stuff. And then I read this opera understanding by and I thought, you know, I just I just twisted it. And like and I wrote the song in like, what, 12 minutes? And then a buddy of mine said, it really spoke to him a lot. And so then I kind of, you know, went with it, you know. That's uh, great. Um, all right. So the next question is, what major positive experience has given you the push to follow this journey? Well, the, the major positive experience I would tell you is that Ace Frehley had been interviewed in the huge world of life. And uh, Ace Frehley is a, you know, was a lead guitarist in Kiss. Mm-hmm. And I only learned how to read because I wanted to know more about what Ace Freely was doing in the universe. And uh, if I didn't have Ace Freely, you know, doing what he did, maybe I'd never read. Interesting. <laughs> uh, definitely a positive then. Probably not what you're expecting, but <laughs> I don't. I don't have any expectations. That's the beauty of interviewing people. You just like whatever comes, comes. It's great. Since you since you've definitely uh, you know as I said yeah, uh, yeah indie week uh, is where we hooked up so what is what is one resource that you found mm-hmm. uh, actually uh, let's rephrase that question what what was the biggest um, thing that you've come out of like things like indie week or, you know what what are the things that you've learned that really surprised you well I'm not gonna say anything that surprised me necessarily but. Uh so much as that obviously you know i love meeting people and i love working with other people and the more that i learn about other people the same way you are pretty much a little bit um what i found is that people are more open than maybe i would have thought mm-hmm. and and i've been grateful to learn that pretty much anyone i ask you know doesn't really matter who they are in those contexts, like in the, within the Indie Week world or, or um, the Sync world or, you know, like different festivals like that, mm-hmm. all are pretty much, they're just human beings, right? And everybody is pretty excited if uh, you tell them that you like their song. Well, they wrote that song and they obviously want someone else to hear it. So no surprise. <laughs> They like hearing that someone is interested. So, so that that kind of thing. It, it's not so much that it was a surprise, so much as um, some people are maybe more uh, shy about all that kind of stuff. So, it's been great to meet a lot of people that are not shy about being honest with themselves and being honest with what they're doing. And uh, and and honest, you know, and for for most of those people, it's just the they want to you know communicate mm-hmm. but some people you know like i've seen before you know it's uh you know they're you know they may write but they don't show up for those kinds of things and they're they think that maybe uh being a musician means you do not market yourself right you know like, like you, you've seen this before yourself for sure absolutely it's kind of why i started the podcast because i got that pushback of you know it it's kind of the thing of, well, if I write music, everything should come to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once you have your product, you have to, you know, the yeah. business part is the hardest. So, part. 
yeah, so it's been really great just meeting people that have that uh, good open feeling about, yeah, I made this song, but mm. but yes, I have to go to market. And, and, and I'm grateful to meet the people in the market place of the universe, you know? And, and that, that's way more fun, to be honest. Like, writing a song is one thing, but meeting people is so much more interesting, to be honest. Because once people hear your song and mm -hmm. then they say to you, oh, that meant something to you or, you know, like whatever, whatever my song meant to you means so much more to me after I hear you tell me that, you know? Absolutely. So what is, what is one piece of advice you give a musician? I'm going to say a musician looking to make more progress. Well, constantly be more open-minded. I mean, that's number one. Just be more open-minded. I think that's the number one thing is just be open-minded because um and and not to think that you know everything because you certainly don't and if you think you do i can guarantee you don't and a lot of times that that's um like i meet a lot of uh songwriters who feel that they are the next um great thing i'm not gonna say you know a name of anything just to keep it you know clear and and they are locked in their own world, right? Mm -hmm. And and I, I make guitarists who are the next. Uh, and I will say this: they think that they're the next Randy Rhodes or something like that, or like the next uh, Eddie Van Halen. Mm -hmm. But they're not working with David Lee Roth, and they're not working with Ozzy Osbourne, and and they are just in their own, right. you know, little heads of thinking that they are. And, you know, like, you see this all the time. And, you know, I just met someone the other day. He is working on cartoons. I'm like, wow, that's really great. Good. Tell me more. And, like, don't get too locked into the idea that you are the be-all, end-all. It's got to be an open-minded process. Because, ultimately, what's going to happen is you're going to have to meet someone else who's going to have to work with you. And you're going to have to work with them. And they're going to have to be nice with you. You have to be nice with them. So you got to be like a little bit open and caring and a little bit empathetic, you know, a little bit more caring, mm -hmm. you know. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. That's pretty much the nicest way I can think of it. Just be open-minded and empathetic. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you so much. All right. Last question is, what does music mean to you? <laughs> what doesn't it mean? <laughs> Music doesn't really mean anything to me other than, uh, you know what? Here's how I'll answer this question. It's a great question, and uh, nobody ever asked me that. Uh, a long time ago, a friend of mine, he had moved to uh, Hamilton. He was my roommate in university for a few years, and he was doing landscape architecture. Mm -hmm. And so I moved down and just, uh, I didn't move down, but like I lived with him for like a week. And, you know, he was going off to work at the uh, Royal Botanical Gardens, and I was just sitting in his house every day. He was a photographer, so he had a, you know, like he had a black room in there, like where he's actually, like, making photography, like, real and stuff. And one day he went to work, and, uh, you know, I had to wait around for, like, three hours while, or, you know, eight hours? I don't know how long while he was going to work. But he said, you know, why don't you, after lunch, 
listen to Symphony Number no. 3 by Henrik uh, Gorecki. I don't know if you say Gorecki or Gorecki. I'm not even sure, to be honest. I've never even asked anyone. But do you know who I'm talking about? Vaguely. I'm not up on my classical. Well, but Symphony Number no. 3 is, and with Don Upshaw singing. Okay. It's a three- it's a three-hour symphony. So he told me to put it on, and so I did. And at that time, uh, Radiohead is, you know, very popular and stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I would encourage anyone to just listen to that. And if they've got... I, I want I want them to have five hours and just listen to symphony number three. And if you don't cry by the end of the whole thing, even if you don't know... You can't even speak the language of what Don Upshaw is singing... I can guarantee you, it is a very affecting piece of music, mm. and it it was right up there with nothing else I've ever heard except for like I saw Diamandico Loss, who is also great. Have you ever seen? Have you ever heard Diamandico Loss? Can't say I have. Okay, so Diamandico Loss, like imagine like you've heard of Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Everyone's heard of Led Zeppelin. So so John Paul Jones, um, the only person he ever agreed to work with outside of Robert Plant, at a certain point was Diamanda Galas. She was, and she is, a Greek singer, Greek-American, who is six-octave voice, and when she sings, it just... Well, you'll look at you'll 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 look around. You'll listen. You'll listen. I I will definitely. Yep. So so my yeah. So my two advices are yeah. Symphony number no. three. And Diamanda. Hmm. Awesome. If people want to get in touch, collaborate, listen to what you you know your music. Where can they go? Uh, they can always go to thismaddesire.net. And uh, they can also call me nine zero five nine eight one two three seven three. But Easiest thing is just to, you know, just go to the website, thismadzara.net. And uh, I'm sure it will be in the uh, comments and all that kind of stuff of wherever it is that you're posting this. Yep, I'll, I'll throw that all on the uh, show notes for sure. But this thismadzara, T-H-I-S-M-A-D-D-S-I-R-E dot N-E-T. <laughs> it's um, how it sounds. Cool. And then at the end, I like to play a piece of music by the person I'm I'm interviewing. So which song would you like to play? I was going to ask you the same question. I'm promoting, you know, my song Operas Are Standing By, the remix. Yep. That my friend Felino did from Brazil. But at the same time, because you're uh, an American, I thought because also my last record is called American Dream. Okay. And you like metal kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You also might like this song called American Dream, which is the title track off of that record. And it's got a really cool guitar solo that my friend Steve Barrick did. Mm -hmm. And it also features my friend uh, Dan's drumming, uh, who I talked to you about earlier. Awesome. Yeah. I've definitely checked it out. Not I haven't uh, listened to it a bunch, but I've definitely heard it a couple of times. So, yeah, let's let's play that one. Excellent. All right. So this has been a great conversation really appreciate you taking the time stay in touch hopefully we we do another collab soon sounds great love you more thank you so much for listening i'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on itunes or your favorite podcast platform 
as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will become. A rising tide lifts all ships. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering a full range of apparel decoration and promotional items such as screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and much more. The Skinny Armadillo is now offering a merch fulfillment service including on-demand printing and a custom-built web store so you can concentrate on your music and running your business as a musician. Visit theskinnyarmadillo.com or call 817-546-1430 to learn how the Skinny Armadillo can help you take your merch to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is This Mad Desire with American Dream. Nope, never mind. He used to drive a truck, but now it drives itself. And no one gives a truck if he survives his health. The corporation streamlined to preserve the world. 